Welcome to the Success is Subjective podcast series brought to you by collegealternative.org presented by Lilly Consulting. I'm your host, Joanna Lilly. In today's episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Emily Pike. Emily is the co-founder of Bear Thrills, a sustainable performance underwear range designed for women who live their lives in motion. Emily is a driven and motivated entrepreneur who has always found excitement in innovation, opportunity, and was recently named a woman to watch for 2022 by Beam Magazine. Emily has developed many skills over the years through sales, communication, and leadership. This serves her well today in business with people skills through her love to network and meet new people. At the age of 20, Emily started working in the Australian government and has since spent the last 10 years traveling the world and experiencing diverse and challenging work environments. These experiences have shaped her character and grown her leadership and confidence. Emily loves to be innovative, create new opportunities, and learn new skills that support her growth both personally and professionally. Emily is currently living in New Zealand with her fiance Liz, their dog Merlot, and their cat Moe, and spends every moment of her day growing bear thrills into a global go-to performance undergarments brand. Let's not wait any longer. Here's Emily. Hey, Emily, thanks for being on the podcast. We have, this is kind of fun because uh, the time difference was challenging for me. I was like, wait, what time are you? So it is late in the day for me. It is pretty early in the day for Emily. So thank you for being here. I'm super excited to have this conversation. So I'm just going to dive right in. Why don't you actually tell our listeners, where did you grow up and what was the messaging that you were hearing about kind of the idea of post-secondary education, either from your family or and or from the community in which you were raised? So, yeah, I'm, I'm Emily. I grew up in Tasmania, Australia, where I went to school all the way up until um, year 12. So year 12 for us in Tasmania is called college, uh, which is a little bit different to what most of your listeners refer to as college and then university i think is the same as your your college so um i went to school i went to three different schools so primary school high school and then uh into year 11 and 12. and i i really loved school school for me was i think a little bit more of a fun type of experience where i wasn't a naughty child but i wasn't one that would love to sit in a classroom and just learning just really wasn't my forte. So, um, and I really enjoyed more so the hands-on type of learning, which later on I figured out that I'm more of a kinesthetic type of learner and more hands-on, let's just do it, let's just get it done. Um, so school for me, I was a prefect in year 10, um, and that's, I think, mainly because the students get to vote as well as the teachers. So I think that I really got along well with people. I love to just go to school, hang out with my friends, and going to class was just a part of that experience. So now I left school in year 12, so I went all the way up to where the point is where you kind of hit a little bit of a fork in the road, and this is where... A lot of my friends, almost all of them, were going off to university. So to me, that sounded like they had it all figured out. They're going into bachelors of marketing, bachelors of of arts, uh, studying to become an accountant, a lawyer. And when I'm 18 years old in year 12, there I am just thinking, I ha- I'm trying to figure out still 
who I am as a person. Like I, I've, I'm still trying to figure out my sexuality. Like I, I'm been gay since I was 17, but as a 17 year old, that's also something that as a kid you're trying to figure out, as well as trying to have a little bit of direction in life when all your friends seem like they've just got it figured out. So. I decided that I wasn't going to go straight into university because there was nothing that I really wanted to study and there's no job that when I thought about it that I could see myself with a future in. So I could see myself making a career out of becoming an accountant because I didn't like maths or uh, sitting at a desk every day and just doing the nine to five. That didn't excite me. So I wasn't excited to go to university. So I didn't take the plunge. And also, I don't really think that my grades would allow me to get into a university. So I decided to finish year 12 and I started to apply for for jobs. It's really what you have to do. You have to take that step into being an adult. And I I started to apply for full-time positions. And I the first job I applied for, I got, which was amazing. So I started to work in sales, um, a place called Harvey Norman in Australia and New Zealand. So that's selling of appliances, TVs, fridges, all of those type of electricals. And that actually, as much as I didn't enjoy the job towards the end, because it was just another grind every day was the same, uh, that actually taught me a lot of really amazing life skills, which I think that I really started to grow and scale those. Now I'm an entrepreneur uh, about 10 years later. Uh, taught me a lot about networking, communication, I guess really putting yourself out there, which helps a lot as an entrepreneur with being um, with the fear of rejection, I guess, because you're kind of always putting yourself out there to sell someone something. And if they don't want it or they don't like what you're selling them, then uh, then that's just a form of rejection in a way. So um, I worked at Harvey Norman for a year and then I kind of found that I was quite good at sales. I was always at the top of the leaderboard. Uh, I didn't always know what I was selling, but I guess that I just kind of knew how to communicate quite well and kind of knew how to network and talk the talk and walk the walk, as they say. So, yeah, and then that's that's really where I left um, post-secondary or college, as, as we call it, in Tasmania. Um, I just, yeah, finished my schooling because that's what you had to do and just went straight into um, the full-time workforce. Well, I think it's, I mean, it's actually just fun to kind of understand you know, how different countries treat this, right? So you just kind of broke it down, like the language differences, the experience differences. But regardless, I think that what is unanimous, right, in the US or Australia, New Zealand, regardless, uh, where we are at is that not everybody needs to go to the university, right? Like you you kind of said, like, I didn't even really know who I was or what I wanted. So how are you going to squeeze me in this box to say, well, you should take this test to be an accountant and then study to be an accountant? Like if that's, if you're not interested in math, that sounds horrible. So it sounds like you just dove headfirst into kind of the workforce and you started to learn what works and what doesn't. And I'm going to go out on a limb. You said that that was like that start was over 10 years ago. So you're looking at, you know, what have you done leading up to where you are now over the last 10 years? Like what were some of those jobs that you held? What were some of the experiences or as you said, life skills that you've continued to build upon as a a working, uh, you know, a working adult in, in the workforce? Yeah, so so pretty much straight out of college, uh, as I mentioned, I went straight into sales, which 
it's really like the base of, okay, so I've got a job, right, this is how I rent a house, this is how I pay taxes, all, all the stuff I didn't learn in school because I, I really feel like my schooling system and everyone's experiences are different, uh, set me up to be, it set me up to be parts of an adult but not the ones where I want to own a business, I want to learn to invest, I want to, I need to learn how to pay taxes, I need to learn how to pay rent. Um, so all of those types of things, I don't feel like it really set me up. It kind of sets those people up that want to streamline straight into the university world, uh, which is fantastic because we've all got a different journey in life. So basically for the last 10 years, or last, sorry, 12 years, because I left when I was 18, I'm 30 this year, I stepped into a few other positions, uh, sales roles. I think the biggest growth period in my young early 20s was when I left Tasmania and I moved interstate. So I moved to a place called Melbourne, Victoria. And I think that leaving my environment and leaving my friends who um, who I still love, but they were going to university, they were, share, they were starting to share those experiences together. And stepping straight into the workforce, you still feel a little bit out of place, really, because you, you're both having different you know, on different journeys and you're sharing different experiences and I really um then went and moved which was a huge growth period because I moved away from my family my friends and then I had to kind of fend for myself and I left the Tasmania without a job to go to I just said look I'm going to follow my feet no matter where I go because I, I'm one of these people that work really well with my back against a wall and not really knowing that yet, but it's just really, I'm a bit of a survivor. I've learned it from my parents and whatever life throws at you, you, you just make lemonade, I guess, when life gives you lemons. So then I applied for um, a, a few positions in Melbourne. So I was already renting a house with no income. And again, my back was against the wall and I fell straight into another sales position for a company called Open Universities Australia, where I worked as a student advisor. So you'd put students into degrees and then this was, which is funny because I never wanted to go to university and here I am advising people on what they could do at university and the path that they should follow. Um, and so there again, I was top of the leaderboard and I really enjoyed that environment. I really enjoyed the competitiveness, which really kind of makes me strive for, for greatness every single day I went to work. It's like, all right, how many sales am I going to get? How can I stay at the top of that leaderboard, which is in the office that everyone can see? So for me, I guess that um, competition, healthy competition is really, and success is really one of my driving factors. So I continued to work on the, the communication networking, putting myself out there. And that's when I actually decided to completely switch what I was doing. And I that's when I fell into my government position. So I've been working for the government now for about 10 years. And that was where I learnt, took a lot of those skills, learnt a lot more about myself, and I was able to kind of put those into play. And I've had a, a quite a very great, successful last 10 years in the government, um, or whatever success looks like in a government position. But I've been able to travel the world, like I'm living in New Zealand, uh, at the moment for work, which is something that not a lot of people can say when they work in office jobs that they're able to kind of travel the world. And and then so that's been a very rewarding past 10 years that I've been um, in. The, and, uh, and I'm still currently working in the government. But then that's also offered me an opportunity to kind of have the steady income of the full-time job. And now I've really actually discovered that I actually do like learning. 
Uh, I originally thought I was just very bad at it, but I kind of had to find something that I was really interested in. And as a kid, that's not really an option as much. It's the schooling system. You, you're taught what you're taught and you learn what you're supposed to learn. Um, so I, I found that I'm really interested in investing and trading, but I'm also very interested in business. So I recently launched our first business, uh, e-commerce business. And um, now that's really the direction I'm heading alongside with still being in the government as well. So I've got this kind of safety blanket there whilst I'm growing kind of the other aspect of my life. And now that's just a, another point of my journey. So my journey is pivoting the last 10 years learn a lot within that workforce, being in the government, and now I'm putting all that into play with being a business owner. Well, you kind of alluded to my next question, which is, do you see yourself as successful, right? You, you said, yeah, you know, this is, it's been successful, however you describe it. So I would actually love for you, knowing what you've done for the last 12 years, not just 10 years, but what you've done for the last 12 years leading up to where you are now, where you're in this point of kind of a parallel uh, business, right? Like you're still working for the government, but here you are launching this entrepreneurial track. So answer that question. Do you see yourself as successful? This is actually a great question because success is measured on however anyone, I guess, likes to measure their own success. So I, I definitely see myself and how I measure success on a path to success. Uh, without saying the word success too many times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> success for me, I measure my own success on my own personal growth and experiences. Um, so it's not so much the number in my bank account, um, although money definitely helps because you can't pay bills with hugs, unfortunately. But I've, my end goals and, and the goals that I set at, up, so my seven-year plan, and then that's broken down into a 12-month, three-year uh, is one of the end goals is financial freedom. So what does that look like to me? That looks like owning my own business or a few businesses and kind of just having that a bit more of that passing, passive income. But I'm not exactly one person that can just sit there on an island drinking mojitos with billions of dollars, uh, although a lot of people could. I, I really just enjoy building things. So for me, I will see myself as quite successful when I'm at a point where I can just go on ventures and build whatever I feel like I can build with the safety of still being able to pay the bills. And and also I, I love the opportunity to be able to add value to other people's journeys. So I'm quite early within my entrepreneurial journey, but there's still, I always want to be able to add value to other people's journeys from my own experiences. So I guess at a point I will see myself successful when I'm able to go out and try every venture that I really want to try and also um, be able to offer others the experiences and the journeys and help them out with their own um, because I see that I'm quite a knowledgeable person with a big network. That's really where I start to see myself as being quite successful. So definitely on a path. Am I successful right now? I'm a lot more successful than I was 10 years ago. But, you know, we, we, set, we set goals and then once we hit them, we set higher ones and we scale to the next level. So yeah, which is which is awesome. And now I'm starting to be recognised for like that motivation and drive. Um, recently being named a woman to watch by uh, an Australian magazine called B Magazine, and that's really I think that you don't do it for the accolades and the awards, but it's so nice to be recognised that you are adding value into the world. Um, yeah, so yeah, 
not successful yet on the path to success. Sorry, sure. <laughs> to answer that. <laughs> No, that's awesome. Uh, For those who obviously are listening to this, you can't see my face, but the second you just described that, you know, recognition, hey, I I was just notified as like a a woman to watch. My eyes kind of lit up like, that's awesome. And as you were talking through it, I'm like, you're right. It's not about like, that's not, that does not identify your success. And it's really important. Like it feels good for somebody that's on that journey when you are recognized for the work that you are doing, because ultimately you then become a model for what can exist for other young people that are coming up behind you, which is super cool. So that kind of transitions right into my next question, which is if you could give one piece of advice to a young person, and I usually describe it as like somebody that's quote unquote struggling, but I think at this point, it doesn't matter. Um, it's just like, if you could give a piece of advice to a young person, maybe, you know, Emily circa 18 years old, where you're like, I'm not really sure what I want to do. You know, what advice would you give that young person? Ooh, and, and I think that when, when you put it like that, what advice would you really give yourself 10 years ago? Because <laughs> Jeepers, she was uh, not really sure what path young Emily was on, but she was going full steam ahead. Um, so I, I think that there's always two pieces of advice that I really like to say to myself. But if when I'm asked this question, this is usually what I say. So one is never stop learning and growing. Because after leaving school, I was really determined that I would never sit in a classroom ever again because I, as I mentioned, I thought I was quite a bad learner. But it turns out that I love learning and it's never too late to discover what you're passionate about. Um, My partner's another one of those um, that is in the exact same boat. She didn't start studying until she was 30 years old um, at university because she knew she wanted to study, but she was not passionate about anything. So... She's now studying a Bachelor of Science to be majoring in naturopathy, and that is her passion. So I think never stop learning and growing. And and then the other piece of advice that I really love to give is to surround yourself with people that support and encourage you to grow. So whether that's a network of other business owners, a great mentor who helps you break through your mental and physical barriers, or even the support of family and friends, your biggest tool when you have a moment of self-doubt or your first bad review for business owners um, or a rejection from your boss or an investor or someone along those lines is your support network. So that's always your biggest tool and you turn to them for advice and encouragement. And they're usually the ones because you can't do everything by yourself. And as an entrepreneur, I found this journey to be amazing, but also quite a lonely one at times. But when I have those people to turn to, it really helps you get through and break through all those barriers of imposter syndrome, self-doubt, and really helps you scale to the next level. That's great advice. So I think, I mean, obviously this is just the highlight reel, right? This is the like high points of like, hey, this is how I've gotten to where I am now. And I think it's really important for folks to know how to connect with you. So with that in mind, how can they reach you? Um, so definitely through social media and I'd love to plug my, um, business here. So, uh, it's called Bear Thrills Performance Underwear Range. Uh, we're made from a recycled fabric available in Australia and New Zealand. And hopefully next year we can expand to, um, the US and Canada and the UK, the rest of the world. So TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Bear Thrills underscore underwear. That's run by, I'm um, a co-founder with my, um, beautiful fiance. 
and we launched March this year and we've been um, charging full steam ahead with our women's range and hopefully we'll get our men's range out there within the next 18 to two, two years, 18 months to two years. And um, yeah, so that's where you can find us, our social media, Bear Thrills underscore underwear. Love it. And we will totally have the links in the show notes. Emily, thank you for carving out the time this morning to have this conversation with me as I'm closing out my day. Uh, but most importantly, I just appreciate your honesty, your vulnerability to share like that snapshot of your emerging adult experience leading to the really cool and exciting things that you're doing right now. And I hope that at least one person will reach out to either say thank you, whether it's just for you know you sharing your story, being honest about who you are in your journey, or thank you for what it is that you're creating and wanting to actually tap into, um, like you said, the network. So I think that's awesome. Thank you again for being a guest. Um, and I hope that somebody reaches out. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's it for this week's Success is Subjective episode. I want to thank my guests for joining me on this week and for being willing to share your journey. This podcast would not exist if it wasn't for people such as yourself. Stay tuned for the next episode where you can bet it'll be another amazing human sharing their personal story with the world. Make sure you check out the show notes where you will find contact information, website details, and all social media for our guests. And also put a face with a voice by accessing their interview on the newly formed successissubjective.org website. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, you can email me at joanna, J-O-A-N-N-A, at successissubjective.org. I would also be remiss if I didn't tell you to check out the collegealternative.org and lilyconsulting.com websites for additional resources outside of podcasting. If you're listening to the show on Apple Podcasts, please do me a favor and subscribe. And while you're at it, feel free to leave a review. You can also download to listen to Success is Subjective on any other popular podcast apps such as Amazon, Audible, Google, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. And last but not least, Success is Subjective is listener-supported, made possible by me and by you. You can show support for the continuation of this podcast by donating on the successissubjective.org website. Thank you for tuning in, and remember, there is no single path through life. Success is what you make it. Do you have a teenager or young adult who seems to have lost their way? Maybe they need help navigating adolescence, adulthood, and decisions surrounding higher education. Or maybe they have become withdrawn, their grades are slipping, or they are flat out living a reckless lifestyle, and you're concerned about their health and well-being. If this describes what your teen or young adult is facing, a therapeutic consultant may be able to help. Mental health, addiction recovery, and higher education can all be equally expensive. While information is everywhere, how do you know what option is the best one for your family? Some parents have the time to research and navigate this on their own. Some don't. If the latter applies to you, enter Therapeutic Consultants. Therapeutic Consultants, like Joanna, listen to your family's specific needs and advocate on behalf of your loved one. TCs will research therapeutic resources, recommend treatment programs, and assist during adulthood transitions. 
Not being affiliated with any program, their support is completely objective and catered toward the best interest of each unique family. To find a qualified therapeutic consultant to work with, check out TCA, also known as the Therapeutic Consulting Association. Their website is therapeuticconsulting.org, all one word. Again, that's therapeuticconsulting.org. Then click the Find a Pro tab up at the top.